teachers quitting in mass due to student violence, how some states are taking matters into their own hands, imposing stricter discipline against students to be able to get their teachers back. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Educate. I'm Liz Collin. Also ahead, what the Safe Schools movement in Minnesota is doing to get the attention of lawmakers after the horrific attack of a teacher by a 10-year-old in one classroom. How that teacher has made it her mission to protect educators just like her. And the chair of the Democratic Party in Minnesota wants teachers to reconsider any winter-themed activities they have planned for students this month because it could be misconstrued as a Christmas activity. This is not a joke. That uh, wild story is also straight ahead. Good day, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We're going to get to those stories and more in a moment. But first, if you're new to the show, welcome to Educate. We are here to take a deep dive into the central issues of education, providing criticism and positive solutions to problems. We are also showing you ways to get involved, to show up, to stand up, and to speak up on behalf of your kids. My name is Liz Collin, and I'll be your host for the next hour here. I am a Minnesota-based journalist, a wife, and a mom, and happy to be with you as we navigate this crazy world of education together. doesn't have to be so complicated, though. We are here to help. There is help out there. Also, a quick unrelated note, not uh, to do with this show, but feel free to catch my new documentary. It's called The Fall of Minneapolis. You just head to thefallofminneapolis.com. It's the truth about the case involving George Floyd. It's garnered millions of views so far. Again, it is free. Might make you a little mad, but important to know if you care about the, the future of this country and the justice system for that matter. So I'll I do hope you'll watch. Again, it's thefallofminneapolis.com. With that, our first story here on Educate today, it's something we've talked about before, but on this episode, how states are pushing back against the problems. The story is from American Greatness, teachers quitting in mass due to student violence. This is in response to the rising trend. Ten states have now introduced bills that would allow stricter discipline against students. So this is how states are fighting back. So this story says all across the country, school teachers are beginning to resign due to a rising fear of violence from students, with many acts largely going unpunished by authorities. As first reported by the New York Post, it says student behavior has gotten progressively worse after the coronavirus pandemic, with fights breaking out more frequently and some altercations leading to teachers sustaining injuries in the process of trying to break up those fights. So here are some statistics to consider for a moment. These are from the National Center for Education Statistics. In 2022, those statistics revealed that 84% of public school administrators believe that the COVID pandemic drastically reduced student behavior and led to greater misbehaving. Another survey conducted just in April by EdWeek found that 70% of teachers and other administrators believe the problem is only getting worse. So of all the public education employees who left the job last year, how about this? Half were resignations. One third of teachers who are still on the job say they are likely to leave within the next two years. So this um, had me thinking back to a story I did just recently. Uh, I'm a reporter for a place called Alpha News in Minnesota. But this is a story about Bruce Ringeman. So he's a teacher, uh, was a teacher, I should say, in the St. Paul, Minnesota school district for 25 years. And I think he speaks for, for many teachers how he just walked off the job. He says he's never seen it so bad. So he walks off the job 
uh, just before this interview at Washington Technology Magnet School, where, where he was a teacher, he describes this toxic environment absent of any real consequences for the kids who cause trouble. I want you to just take a listen uh, to him in his own words here for, for a couple minutes. You've been a teacher for 25 years in this district. Have you ever seen it this bad? Never, never before. Any kid that would have threatened a teacher would have been gone that day, that right now. No questions asked. Walking off the job weeks ago for what he says has and hasn't happened inside Washington Technology Magnet School in St. Paul, eighth grade math teacher Bruce Ringerman describes a toxic environment, absent, he says, of any real consequences for kids who cause trouble. When a student can tell the principal to F off, nobody has anything anymore. What I say as a classroom teacher doesn't matter. What the behavioral specialists say in the hallway doesn't matter. What the security guard says doesn't matter. What the social worker says doesn't matter. What the counselor says doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you want to just take your anger out on teachers in St. Paul schools, you're welcome to do that. He details his own disturbing experiences in a letter sent to staff in September with a subject line of Stop the Madness. Fridays and breaks can never come soon enough for me this year. I've always been able to make it to MEA without needing time off to recover, but not this year. This year, I feel like I've been run over by a train every day I leave. This week, I politely asked a student that wasn't supposed to be in my room to go to her class. This was four minutes after the bell had rung. Her response, quit talking to me, get out of my space. I was three to four feet away. I then calmly repeated that she needed to leave and she responded with, shut the f up, you hole. When these kids are in the classroom doing whatever they want, swearing at teachers, threatening teachers, nobody's learning. So again, that was Bruce Ringeman, a longtime St. Paul, Minnesota educator who walked off the job just before this this interview um, that was just a few months back on on Alpha News. But talking about how he's never seen it so bad, uh, leaving after 25 years uh, in this profession. So he was talking about how teachers are forced into daily confrontations, uh, describing how there are eight to 15 kids in the hallway every day. Uh, they're not even going to class. So he he talks in this story about policy changes made years ago by the district that were intended to provide due process uh, to students who act out. He said he tried to make that point to a colleague about why that, that approach is flawed. So he says, you mean to tell me if a coworker of yours threatens to kick your you-know-what, that they'd be allowed to work the rest of the day until the investigation process plays out? And, uh, of course, the answer is no. And I said, then why are you doing that with, with students? Are you telling me that you don't trust me as a teacher, that a student actually said that I, I want to beat you up? If you don't trust me, then, then, you know, that's a different issue he's talking about. But he says, you know, 80 to 90 percent of kids are perfect. They can do school, but nobody is learning uh, because of this be- behavior. And he talks about how uh, his last straw came just before this story. He sees a student in the hallway who's supposed to be uh, in class and then he he talks about this. The student just comes right at him and says, you know, I wish I could fight teachers and, and basically says, no, I'm not going to class. He emails the principal, tells him what happens, either says, you know, th- this kid goes home or I'm leaving. And uh, the principal uh, doesn't even reply and basically just ignores uh, ignores what this educator, this 25 year educator is saying. So his concerns are ignored. The students allowed to stay at school. So I think that uh, Bruce Ringerman's story certainly rings true for this topic we're discussing. And back to this American Greatness article, uh, it, it talks about 
Oh, in response to this rising trend, these 10 states have now introduced bills that would allow for stricter discipline against students, because that's what many people are saying needs to change here, such as reducing the threshold for suspension, allowing teachers to use more discretion when enacting disciplinary measures. Uh, four of those states, Arizona, Kentucky, Nevada, and West Virginia, have, have passed such bills into law al- already. And, and a survey in, in 2022, I should mention, by the American Psychological Association mentioned in this story, found that one in every eight teachers reported being the victims of physical violence from students. So one in every eight uh, teachers. That's a statistic certainly to consider. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation about all of this with Debbie York after the break, she is the co-chair of the Minnesota Safe Schools Movement. So sort of how they're fighting back here in this state in, in Minnesota, but obviously an issue that is playing out all across the, the country. I imagine other states will will line up because they're saying what needs to change is, is policy. Uh, because in many cases, you know, the, the hands are tied uh, of these districts as they've tried to, to navigate this. So somebody else needs to, to step in. But first, perhaps a gift idea for the truth seeker in your life. Get exclusive digital access to the most informative, nonpartisan, truthful news source for patriotic Americans. Discover a refreshing blend of time-honored values, principles, and insight, insightful perspectives within the pages of The New American. It's a magazine delve into a world where tradition is the foundation. An exploration knows no bounds. From politics and finance to foreign affairs, environment, culture, and technology, The New American brings you an unparalleled array of topics that matter most. For more, visit thenewamerican.com slash educate25. Welcome back to Educate. I'm Liz Collin, and my next guest is Debbie York. She is the co-chair of the Minnesota Safe Schools Movement. She calls herself an accidental activist, uh, but uh, she's grateful enough. I'm grateful enough to her for for her to be here and share her story. We're going to get into her personal story here in just a bit. But earlier we were discussing uh, in the earlier segment, Debbie, just how bad it is. And I know you've been involved in this fight for years in Minnesota, but describe that for our audience. You know, how how bad is this problem with uh, student abuse uh, on teachers? Uh, well, Liz, first of all, thanks for uh, giving me an opportunity to share. Yeah, it's it's uh, there's chaos across the whole state in in classrooms um, and schools. And uh, and it's a an epidemic across the country. Um, We have teachers uh, quitting in droves. We've got uh, wonderful families leaving public schools because their kids don't feel safe. Um, And we have um, teachers across the the country and, and, uh, of course, in Minnesota that are silenced when when violence hits their classroom. And so um, it's a it's an issue of accountability for kids, uh, logical consequences and immediate intervention for kids that have um, difficulties managing their behavior uh, with self-regulation. Uh, and and we just don't have enough resources and facilities for these kids. Um, and even if we do, um, some of them have, they're showing up with, with serious uh, trauma and teachers 
really don't have the skills to provide what they need on a one-to-one basis. So there just aren't enough people to provide. But again, it's a matter of, you know, teachers are silenced immediately and, and that must stop. Teachers need to, we need to be able to be transparent. Uh, districts need to be transparent and we need to obviously protect the rights of of all children, but we also need to know when these kids come into our classroom and into our schools, if they have a history of violence. And so that's what I keep fighting for. And that's what we have. That's what we have in the laws, Liz. And speaking of this uh, accidental activist and uh, and trauma, I'm sure you're still experiencing to this day, but but take us back uh, just for a couple minutes here, Debbie, with, with what happened to you. You were attacked in your classroom by a, a 10-year-old. Uh, actually, he was a six-year-old, Liz, and um, yeah, it was. Um, this was this goes back a while, a while back. Um, I was a first-grade teacher, and um, I uh, I was one of those teachers that was um, excellent. I was really good at classroom management, um, and because of that, we teachers uh, that you know are good at nurturing these tough kids. We sometimes get tough kids more than maybe some other teachers, but I had a great staff and uh, everybody was there on hand when this child sh- showed up. Unfortunately, we didn't have any history on him and uh, he was moved in, bust in from inner city Minneapolis, having been a bully there and uh, showed up the second day of school in my classroom. And uh, there was violence within the first week. Um, I gave him a cup, you know, we, everybody had pencils and he broke the pencils and stabbed the child next to him. I gave him a box of pencils. He broke all the pencils. Uh, within about a week, he had he was stabbing kids with scissors. He pushed. He kicked. He hit. He bit. Um, he body slammed. Uh, by the time um, fall ri- rolled around, uh, when I got assaulted, he'd already assaulted. He'd harmed thirteen kids in one way or another. Um, uh, bloody lips, um, bruises on the sides of kids, um, uh, lots of trauma. And on that particular day, uh, when he raged, uh, he he truly raged. I mean, he knocked over chairs and desks and uh, threw two chairs. One just missed the head of a little girl. And then he swung a chair at me, just missed me, but then he body slammed me. So 85 pounds of a very angry kid because I had intervened to try to stop him from hurting a little girl. Um, and he was mad at me then. So, uh, and actually I had never seen him angry at me, but it was a rage I'd never experienced. And so he fell on me and I had to have uh, major surgery, neck surgery and knee surgery. So basically that ended my career. Um, but there was more to the story. And I don't know if you want to hear about that part or not. Well, yeah, just talk about um, when you did finally come forward here, uh, Debbie, what, what happened to you? Well, um, immediately, uh, immediately, of course, um, the kids were crying. I mean, the, the kid, two of the little girls were wailing. One of the little boys was screaming. Um, teachers came running. It took five adults to get that child up the, uh, down the hall and up the ramp to the principal's office. Um, I was very clear with her about what had happened. Um, unfortunately, um, the parents called me. It wasn't unfortunate. I had, the parents called me at home and said, Debbie, you know, the, the kids are reporting this. Did this happen? And I was honest, Liz, I had to be the kids, you know, the kids were reporting it. They were scared and they had a right to be scared. It was enough. Enough was enough. And I'd asked for an aid for for several weeks and I had given all the confirming data and still it wasn't getting help. So at that point, um, when I told the truth, um, Edina put me on leave of absence immediately. Uh, I got in big trouble. 
I got in trouble for telling that that there was a behavior issue. I never made it about a child. I would never do that. But clearly there was a behavioral problem and I was honest and I'll be honest to this day. I was unsafe in there and I couldn't tell parents it was safe because the next day he took a scissors and tried to hurt a child again and he kept throwing chairs. So everyone knew parents were starting to come in and watch. Um, and so they put me on leave of absence and they basically kicked me out of my classroom for the rest of the year. I was not allowed to go in unless I had uh, necessary arrangements. Someone had to be with me. I only was allowed in twice into that classroom with those precious little six-year-olds. And again, you're the, the victim victim of all of this. I just want to let our listeners know you're listening to Debbie York. She's the co-chair of the Minnesota Safe Schools Movement, talking about what what happened to her and and how this kind of became her her new mission? It really is un- unbelievable to to hear about uh, you you being the victim. I know you're called a, a racist and all sorts of uh, terrible things in the in the wake of this. Uh, but in many ways, it did uh, push you forward and and you came up with the, this mission. But but talk about what that you know what that mission specifically is here, Debbie. You know, well, when I I knew that basically I wasn't able to teach at that school anymore, I was uh, I, I I was asked by a number of uh, parents in Anoka, a number of children had been bullied tremendously back in Anoka. And so um, they said, let's make a safe and school uh, supportive schools act. And so I, I joined them as a teacher liaison in that group. And then we went on to say that passed in about 2014. But we said, wait a minute, that's not enough. We need a teacher para protection law. So we got a group of teachers together. We went to the house, a Minnesota uh, house. We gave testimony and it passed in 2016 with the support of Governor Dayton. And it was we were thrilled, Liz. It was fantastic. Um, And there are three components I can share about. But the main component is that the teacher, every teacher in the state has the right to govern a safe classroom. Unfortunately, our government, our state leaders would not make that awareness to teachers. And so we we never give up. We've asked for training for teachers on that. We've asked for teachers to understand that they do have a right. They do have a right to be safe. It's in the existing law. They do have a right to know if a student's being moved into their classroom with a history of violence. And they do have a right to go to their principal and their administration and say, this is not safe for my students. And you must do something to help me. Uh, you know, support this child, bring the family in, let's make a plan, let's make this work. And if it doesn't work, let's try again. But that's not happening. And it's it's just, we get calls all the time from teachers, five, five kids in one or two classrooms, and maybe if they're lucky, they have one para. And these are all kids with compulsive aggressive disabilities disorder. And it's like you're walking on a time, you know, on, on eggshells because you don't know. I know we have more to more to talk about here in our next uh, segment. Again, Debbie York is the co-chair of the Minnesota Safe Schools Movement. We're going to talk about that, how parents can get involved in solutions. But you're listening to Educate. This is Liz Collin. The show is brought to you by The New American. For more, visit thenewamerican.com. If Americans want to remain a free and sovereign nation, more people need to understand the principles and values that built America. At the John Birch Society, we have the organization, the plan, and the resources to do just that. Our founder, Robert Welch, said, education is our total strategy and truth our only weapon. Go to jbs.org to learn more, including how you can get involved to work locally and impact nationally. Join us at jbs.org.
Welcome back to Educate. This is Liz Collin. And again, I'm talking to Debbie York, who is the co-chair of the Minnesota Safe Schools Movement, an accidental advocate or activist, I should say, as she calls herself, um, after living through, you know, I don't know how to describe it, anything but serious trauma um, after an attack in, in her classroom. But but tell us about that, your, your journey to begin the Minnesota Safe Schools Movement and, and the mission, Debbie. Um, thanks, Liz. Um, I, I'd love to share. Um, so uh, after uh, being assaulted in my classroom, uh, physically, um, I wasn't able to go back and and uh, I had basically been removed from the classroom. Um, and and then investigation went on. I think it's important to share because by simply reporting the truth, um, I was um, I was deemed a racist for for just basically saying that a child had some behavior issues, and everyone knew. So it, my story is is uh, one of those stories that um, when the administration does not do anything to provide intervention for one student, um, rumors fly and uh, stories happen, and kids get left behind. And that's the story. And that's what's been happening since um, what happened to me in 2009, 10. So because of that, um, we formed a team and basically we have mostly retired teachers. Um, Why we don't have current teachers is we hear their stories all the time. This is happening in Minnesota. It's happening across the country. But teachers are silenced. They can't talk. So when violence happens in in a school, you are told you can only share uh, with those people with the need to know, and the need to know is those people who work directly with the child. And this is a this is a federal law, and it's a data pra- practices privacy law to protect the educational data of a student, any student. However, it gets skewed. Um, we went to Washington and spoke with the head of the federal. Uh, group for data practices. And they said, absolutely, when there is violence, every teacher in the country has a right to tell what they saw, what they know, their experiences and their observations. And I that saved me. Because of that, um, I got paid off big by my district, uh, who actually had put me under investigation for a, a whole school year um, to prove that I wasn't racist. But how many teachers in the country have to go through that? And, you know, this is just about behavior list. It's not about a kid's color or culture. Um, clearly, we must, must uh, respect kids and diversity. And DEI is extremely important. Absolutely. However, when a child has a behavior issue, the issue comes down to helping that child. doesn't matter what they look like, their appearance, um, their culture. Of course, you understand what brings them to the classroom and, and the trauma or whatever they have. But we are there as teachers and educators to do what we can to service that kid. But we also, every teacher in the country and administrator must do what they they must do to make sure that those kids with compulsive, aggressive uh, problems, disorders, disabilities, that they don't put all the other kids at risk. And that's what's happening across the country. Absolutely. Talk about your plea recently to to Minnesota lawmakers, because here we are, you know, more than 10 years later, having a lot of these these same conversations, sadly. But I know you just wrote a letter, in fact, this week um, asking again for, for change. If you could read just a just a bit of that. Well, I'd be happy to. Um, so just honestly, it's interesting timing because just yesterday I reached out again to the Senate and the House education chairs, uh, policy and finance in Minnesota. And I have met 
with our legislators in charge of education since about 2012. Um, in 2016, we passed three laws and we begged and we've asked the legislators and the union and the Minnesota Department of Education to get those laws out to teachers. They will support teachers. They are existing and they do support teachers to govern a safe classroom. However, last spring, those legislators went, went against those laws and they, they created and passed conflicting laws. So since then, we've been knocking on their door all year. And I, I could be a little annoying, but I said, look, we need clarity. We need clarity from you legislators. And so just yesterday I said over and over, this is what I wrote to the education chairs and all the committee members just yesterday, beginning in 2012, my team and I have urged you and other Minnesota education leaders, union, Minnesota Department of Ed and legislative leaders to please do something. Steve Schwadzinski gave me his word last winter that he would do something to strengthen existing safe schools legislation. And here we are a year later and nope, they won't do anything. We've asked them, this is about protecting children in our state and on our country from harmful acts of abuse, harassment, including backing teachers to govern safe classrooms across our state, across our country, empowering them with training, conversations on what are their rights? What are the teacher rights to know that they may in fact have history on a child who has a history of violence? They may have knowledge on what is the best practice. And they also must know what are the policies in place on discipline and why are administrators not working to ensure those policies are implemented and enforced. Too many principals across our state say, oh, you know, make it till the end of the year or, oh, you're not building a strong enough relationship with that kids or this is what all teachers, I, we get calls all the time from teachers crying saying, this kid, it's, you know, middle of the year. Now, here we are in January. And every day, it's like walking on eggshells till that kid might explode. And the principal and the administration says, well, you know, my hands are tied. The federal and state laws don't allow us to do what we need to do. We don't have the resources and facilities. Well, why not? We had the money last year. Where is the help for teachers? Paris, I mean, I can tell you about stories of one two, three first graders, second graders that have given brain concussions to the classroom teacher as well as the para. And the kid goes on to second and on to third with no intervention, no IEP, nothing for those kids. And we know the system. I talked to the MDE not that long ago, Liz, and they said, well, we have a tiered system. I said, that's great, but it's not working. When a teacher says, you know, this half of my class is mine has been beat up by November and everybody goes, well, collect the data. We need to have another right. conference on what we're going to do. And that's what happens until the kid gets moved on to a new grade level or another school. And then that data trail doesn't follow. Wow. And again, uh, MDE for people that are listening outside of Minnesota is the Minnesota Department of, of Education. But again, this is Debbie York. She's the co-chair of the Minnesota Safe Schools Movement, uh, talking about uh, what she is trying to get accomplished here in Minnesota. I do also want you to plug for, for parents who do want to get involved. And, and we have see, sort of seen this movement spread across the country. Um, but, but where can they go? Where can they get more information and get involved? 
Well, I would say in Minnesota right now, one of the most um, active organizations we have is the Minnesota Parents Alliance. And we have uh, connected with Christine Truen and, and Alpha News. And, you know, these are groups that are out there promoting awareness, sharing awareness. We have gone to the union and asked them to work with us, but they refuse. And, and that's their story. It's not mine. But t- parents need to be aware when the kids come home and talk about their day, parents need to ask, you know, how does it feel? Does What does it look like? What is it sound like? What does it feel like in your classroom? Do you feel safe? We met with a family years ago, Liz, this is astounding. And actually, this dad was helping us kind of brand and, and market our, our, our group, uh, our safe schools group. And as the child sat there, you could tell the kid was restless. And I said to the little guy, hey, Danny, I said, have, are you, do you know about this? And Danny says, oh, yeah, I have a, one of my friend, he beats up everybody. He hits the teacher all the time. The dad <laughs> didn't even know. The dad didn't even know that that was happening. And and Danny was like, well, yeah, the teacher says he's having a bad day. Well, obviously. But, I mean, this little kid was numb to it. And that's where we are. Kids are numb to it. They're numb to the violence. And so are, so are the teachers in many ways. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, and you have uh, these states now taking it upon them themselves, um, red states by the looks of the, this report, um, trying to right. do something to get teachers back back in the classroom. So it, it seems elsewhere in the country it can be an uphill battle. So the Minnesota Parents Alliance is is where you suggest people go for more information. Do you have a contact as well, Debbie, if people want to get in touch with you? We'd love to help people, um, you know, and we'd love to help teachers. I think teachers need to know Teachers, this is really important, Liz. I want to say one more thing. The teachers across Minnesota and across the state, years ago when I started, I mean, I'm talking back in, you know, the... Debbie, I apologize, but we uh, we have we have to go to break. But I, we're going to have you back on the show um, for, for sure to talk more about this. Again, it's Debbie York, the co-chair of the Minnesota Safe Schools Movement. You're listening to Educate. The show is brought to you by The New American. For more, visit thenewamerican.com. Leftist propaganda, endless pronouns, critical race theory, sexually explicit books accessible to minors, and more. Our public education system is a complete mess. That's why you should consider Freedom Project Academy. They have perfected online learning, offering live, on-demand, and homeschool courses for K-12. Freedom Project Academy was built on Judeo-Christian values and classical curriculum, Visit freedomforschool.com. That's freedom, F-O-R, school.com to request your free information packet. We can't afford to hand over another generation to the left, so let's take back your child's education. Once again, visit freedomforschool.com. That's freedom, F-O-R, school.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Educate. I'm your host, Liz Collin, and we have been uh, talking today about school violence and how teachers are leaving the profession due to all of that. I thank my guests for joining me on the show today, but we are switching gears a bit now to Christmas time. Tis the season, right? And it seems uh, tis the season for crazy uh, in all of this. A couple stories I wanted to discuss on Educate before we say goodbye today. This one comes from Alpha News in in Minnesota, alphanews.org. But this is about how the the chair of the Minneapolis uh, DFL wants teachers to reconsider 
any winter-themed activities they have planned for students this month uh, because it be could be misconstrued as a Christmas activity. So this is essentially the the leader of, of the Democrats in, in Minneapolis uh, puts this out on social media. Brianna Lee is her name. So she says, teachers, you know that winter-themed activity you have planned? Would you do it in February? No. Then it's Christmas, not winter, and you should reconsider. Uh, Brianna Lee wrote on X. Uh, that's uh, the platform, of course, formerly known as formerly known as Twitter. People obviously uh, didn't take to this <laughs> too well. Too well. Uh, one person disagreed uh, with Lee's post, saying he remembers how making ornaments every year was a great thing in elementary school. That they had a great time. Uh, and according to Lee, making ornaments could put students in an uncomfortable position. She went on to say that if people want their children to participate in religious stuff at school, there are schools uh, for that. So if you went to a Christian school, that's cool, she says, but not everyone in Christian uh, in public schools is okay with with being put in this uncomfortable position. I know it sounds like I'm actually reading a made-up story, but this is actually reality. Uh, she says, It's long been known that doing Christmas stuff makes non-Christian kids uncomfortable because they're forced to participate. I went to Catholic school, so if you want your kid to do religious stuff at school, there are schools for that. Public means non-denominational, she says. So again, students who are cutting up snowflakes in class, uh, this woman seems to have a, a problem with it. So we have the Minnesota House uh, GOP, the Republican leader, basically, of the Minnesota House, Andrew Wagner. He responded and says, no one has ever taken offense to a winter activity or a holiday activity, for that matter. He says, they are projecting misery onto our kids uh, who just want to cut out snowflakes. This is what Wagner replied. Uh, So Lee was criticized earlier. She made news uh, earlier. Well, Alpha News reported it. I don't think uh, the mainstream media bothers to to actually uh, show these people, uh, you know, who who they really are. But she was criticized earlier this year for for a social media post that celebrated the death of President Ronald Reagan, saying that he single handedly destroyed the middle class and gave corporations the ability to buy our elections. Uh, So she wrote F that guy uh, on X, if you can believe it. So this is actually a person that has a job <laughs> and is uh, doing these things on, on social media. So, yeah, your kids uh, can't make snowflakes in class anymore. Everything is completely fine. So we have uh, another story. Uh, this comes to us from California. It's likely coming to uh, the Midwest and Minnesota specifically soon. Um, but this uh, also is something that is is not made up. I don't know if you've heard just yet about this, but getting more complicated, it seems, to even shop for toys this this time of year, this this Christmas time when we're all, uh, you know, scoping out the the toy toy aisle. It seems, but I'm not sure if you've heard about what they're doing in in California to make that more difficult. But uh, California is fining retailers that don't have gender neutral a gender neutral toy selection. Again, real life. Uh, listen to this news clip. This comes to us from Straight Arrow News in San Francisco. Listen. California is looking to end what it calls the segregation of children's toys. In a few weeks' time, major retailers will be required under new state law to provide a gender-neutral toy section. The new law instructs retail stores with 500 employees or more to rethink the way they display children's toys. 
They're required to maintain a gender-neutral section or area and must label it in a way that does not appeal to one gender over the other. The store must offer a, quote, reasonable selection of toys in the gender-neutral section. The law states keeping items traditionally marketed, either for girls or for boys, separated makes it more difficult for the consumer to compare products and incorrectly implies that their use by one gender is inappropriate. LGBTQ advocates say the stereotypical marketing pressures kids to conform to one gender identity or the other. But the author of the bill says this goes beyond helping the LGBTQ community. Quote, part of it is to make sure if you're a young girl that you can find a police car, fire truck, a periodic table, or a dinosaur. If you're a boy, if you're more artistic and want to play with glitter, why not? We need to stop stigmatizing what's acceptable for certain genders and just let kids be kids. Yeah, so that was a news clip from Straight Arrow News in San Francisco. Again, a real story uh, talking about how California is going to find retailers that don't have gender-neutral toys uh, inside. So the businesses that fail to provide gender-neutral selections of toys and children child care products, I should say, will face fines up to $500 under a law that is set to take effect on January 1st. So so the New American uh, has a bit of a rebuttal to all of this nonsense uh, from Michael Tennant, who writes about this uh, again on the New American. Uh, For a state that is rapidly losing businesses thanks to taxes and regulations, why did its leaders think another business mandate, one solely designed to placate gender benders, was a good idea? At the time of the law's passage, he writes, it took three attempts in as many years to convince enough legislators to approve it. Uh, Lowe claimed to have been inspired to introduce AB 1084 by one of two events, or perhaps both. He told the Sacramento Bee uh, in an interview that Target's 2015 decision to create some gender-neutral sections led him to propose this legislation. That, however, would suggest that the market was already solving the alleged problem of gender-specific retailing, making Lowe's bill unnecessary. Of course, Target would later, of course, face backlash, we all know, after overdoing the LGBT marketing, so perhaps consumers aren't really so thrilled with wokeism as Lowe and his fellow progressives are. So then his other inspiration uh, for this legislation, he goes on to say, was an incident in which the 10-year-old daughter of one of his staffers asked her mom while shopping why certain things in a store were off limits to her because she was a girl, but would find if but would be fine if she was a boy. Uh, thankfully, my colleagues, he said, recognized the pure intentions of this bill and the need to let kids be kids. So again, uh, I, I would one would think that it's be pretty easy uh, to correct your child. Um, that you're free to shop wherever you want in the, in the toy section. We don't need to, <laughs> we don't need to, you know, ram this stuff down their throats as it seems they love to do in in California. But it really is uh, quite wild that this is now they're now making making it again harder for for businesses and, and small businesses at that, um, and they have to placate uh, this this entire situation. So it's this uh, story from the New American goes on to say that not everyone in Sacramento was in favor of forcing gender ideology on retailers. Then State Senator Melissa Melendez, a Republican, voted against the bill, saying, unlike Lowe, I actually have children, five of them to be exact, and I can tell you 
gender segregated product displays are very convenient for parents. Exactly. I don't think parents need the government to step in and tell them how they should shop for their children. Conservative and business groups oppose the measure, telling the Washington Post in a story that business owners have it hard enough and they should not be burdened with another government requirement that impedes their abilities to adopt to the free market. But it is wild as California, again, struggles with people fleeing their state. Here's another uh, reason to do so. Um, really quite incredible. So, so again, there's more on the newamerican.com uh, on that story, uh, a very lengthy piece uh, laying this all out in in great te- detail. Uh, but they're saying, you know, let let kids be kids. This is their sort of uh, excuse for it all. So we've covered a lot of ground here on Educate, including uh, sort of this ongoing conversation we've been having, sadly, about student violence and how teachers um, are, are forced to, to flee the profession, but more so how some states are, are fighting back to, to get laws rewritten to provide protection. And then we have some, some crazy Christmas time stories, uh, including how you can't make snowflakes in Minnesota without offending anyone and uh, gender neutral toys. Do I have to eat this? Oh, honey, it's great protein. Don't be picky. Eat your crickets. Many are following the lead of the United Nations to replace your meat diet with an insect diet. It's an all-out war on meat, farmers and ranchers. Don't let new green policies place controls on your life and overall freedoms. It's time to get us out of the UN. Go to JBS.org or call 800-JBS-USA1.